Hi, thanks for checking out this episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. Before we get going, um, just to say there's a bit of uh, background noise at Joe's end, courtesy of a man um, trimming a bush with a chainsaw. Uh, I apologise for that. Nothing I could do about that, unfortunately. Can't take it out in the edit. Please do bear with it, because it does stop after a few minutes. Um, and although it comes back right at the very end, we get the bulk of a, a, a good conversation uninterrupted. Um, so please do stick with us and thanks for checking out this episode. This is one of the things that the 43 Group is known by and should be known in the future. That you do not wait to be attacked. You take the fight of the enemy and attack those before they attack you. We do find ourselves in a very tricky situation, sometimes outnumbered. Anything you do to deter people from nasty things they want to do was uh, a good thing. Welcome to another episode of Radio 43. This is the anti-fascism podcast from Hope Not Hate. And if this is your first time here, this is the show where we normally spend some time picking through what the far right have been up to and looking ahead at some future problems. And my name's Nick, and I've got our director of research, Joe Mulhall, back in the hot seat with me this week. Um, how are you, mate? You been, we went away recently, didn't you? How, how was it? I did, yeah. I was in Lagos. I, was, I went to Lagos for, to a music festival and to write some articles, and I'm working on a book. And um, it's fascinating. And then I, I got horrifically ill. Um, was, it, was it cholera? The doctor thinks it might be cholera. I'm waiting for tests, but I feel I feel fine now, and I've lost loads of weight, so <laughs> it's been a positive. But um, yeah, you, mean, you, I look to... a, you look a picture of health on the call, so um, oh, thank you. For any uh, any concerned listeners out there, Joe looks fine, and he's he is fine. That's only because I found that there's a button on Zoom that you can press which smooths out your skin, which I only found yesterday. So yeah, I'm going to be looking much better on Zoom calls. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to apologise. Right, I'm at a studio in um, central London, and uh just as i arrived they've um put put like some guys cutting down the tree outside so i'm sure you'll be able to hear that so despite supposedly being in a soundproof room uh you'll be able to hear this man cutting a tree down about six inches from my head yeah it's uh terribly poor timing but um there we go we'll have to make do um hopefully our listeners will um that is really bad i might have to try and edit some of this out i think in, in, in the call um right so we're going to keep this quite brief i think because um we're going to just touch on really one story which is something that's happening this weekend but before um before we do that we're going to talk about tommy robinson because um he's back on twitter or x as of yesterday i think or midnight monday um and he's already encouraging far-right supporters out onto two demonstrations this Saturday and Sunday. Before we talk about that, because I think there's quite a lot to get into there, um, he's back on Twitter. Can you just remind us, what, why was he kicked off in the first place? So about five or so years ago, he was there was like a wave of deplatformings where he, he lost his Twitter, his YouTube, his Facebook, and he lost them and, and basically became a bit of a domino effect. And and it was for a whole, a whole range of issues why he was losing them, but Lots of the platforms have policies where they remove what they call dangerous individuals, and he and he quite clearly fit into that category. And and as a result, he's not been on any of them. And then he's been really struggling, and he's been extraordinarily frustrated about it. He's been spending his time on Telegram. Uh, you know, he's he's been kind of using various other other ways to communicate with his followers, Getter, and and those sorts of spaces. And he's he's been finding it extremely extremely isolating and and 
and frustrating because he hasn't been able to mobilise individuals because he hasn't been speaking to massive audiences. He's been speaking to a kind of very much an echo chamber of his own people. Um, and he has been pushing for, for a very long time to get back on Twitter, especially since Musk took back over. Uh, and when Musk took over, there was like an amnesty for many banned accounts and, and Tommy Robinson didn't didn't receive that amnesty. Britain First did, for example. Uh, and he's been uh, furious about that ever since. And of course, now he has already popped up and now he's back. You can see, first of all, he's, I think he's added about 60,000 followers in the last 48 hours or so. But you can already see exactly why it was they, they removed him in the first place and why it's a terrible decision by X or Twitter to allow him back on in that he's already using it to organise a far-right demonstration on the streets of London. He's already using it to whip up tensions. He's already using it to get him and his supporters to massively attack Hope Not Hate and, and Hope Not Hate members of staff. We've seen a massive uptick in the amount of hate and threats we're getting in the last few days. It's an appalling decision by Twitter uh, and Twitter's kind of uh, rationale or when people have challenged them on it has, has merely been, well, there was an amnesty last year and and as a result, he's got his, uh, that. There's no explanation for why this decision has been taken now. I mean, one would, I think it's worth asking, there was a big debate coming up between uh, Tommy Robinson and Andrew Tate, which is going to be on X. Uh, and they're expecting big numbers for that. And so, you know, whether or not that's a pure coincidence or whether or not that's why Tommy's back on the platform, we don't know. But it's an appalling decision by Twitter. Um, I mean, you know, we've already seen the, the, the problems it's causing and we're going to see more of it going forward. Uh, and it really just shows how far that platform has sunk and how, how, how awful its moderation policies are and its general policies towards hate. Yeah, it really is a hellhole on there at the moment um what about these people that say this is a free speech issue and that you know he's entitled to a, a platform just like anybody else do you think they've got a point or i mean you know i've seen a few of them popping up every now and then but do, what do you think i mean this has been this has been the like the long-standing debate going back years now about whether or not no or deplatforming or no platform is is a kind of a threat to democracy or is it, it's a curtailment of free speech i think there's a number of things there's a massive difference between your right to say something as long as it's legal and your right to say it where you want um tommy robinson has the right to spew his islamophobic hatred as long as he doesn't break the law um but there wasn't necessarily a right to do that on twitter in a privately owned company um, and, and there's all sorts of, you know, examples of this. People have the right to say things that are legal, but you don't necessarily, I don't have the right to walk into Parliament and say it in that space, but I can say it on the street corner if I'm not, you know what I mean? And, and the problem with Twitter is it amplifies voices like Tommy Robinson's and sends it out to millions and millions of people. You have a right to free speech. You don't have a right to what they call reach. And social media platforms provide that reach, that ability to reach millions of people. And then there's no right to that. Um, but he has a right to say what he wants, uh, as long as it's uh, uh, legal, as I say. The other also, element here... Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, the other element to this is, of course, is that it's a very one-way understanding of what free speech is, right? Because um, we know from years of research, not just us, but loads of organisations and individuals all over the world, that there's whole hosts of people and communities that don't feel safe on social media when these sorts of figures are on in, on those platforms. Whether or not that's women, whether or not that's people from minority communities, in the case of Tommy Robinson, Muslim communities is the one he's most targeted, or trans people, and people self-censor. And if you really do believe in free speech, then what you want is the most number of voices having a, a space where they feel safe and they're able to voice those opinions. When you've got a really toxic online space, like Twitter is once again, uh, people leave that space. People don't want to be in that space because they get attacked, because they get harassed. This isn't about people saying they care about free speech because they don't. They care about their right to say hateful things. 
And if you really do care about it, then it's about if you can remove just a small number of individuals engaging in extreme behavior that create that toxic space. If you remove those people and make them safer online spaces, then you have a much more diversity of voices in those spaces. If you really think it is the public square for discussion and debate, then you need to make it a space where most people feel comfortable being and they're not going to be attacked when they're there. And this is the hypocrisy of these kind of free speech warriors. They don't mean free speech. They don't care about the free speech of a woman that is getting death threats or rape threats on social media. They don't care about the right to free speech of minority communities that face racism, misogyny and homophobia and all these things. They don't care about their voices. They only care about their voice. Uh, and there's a huge hypocrisy there. And so uh, it's absolutely, I think, removing people like Tommy Robinson is in defense of free speech and it creates more free speech rather than the other way around. Well, we might circle back to this um, in a few minutes, actually, when we talk about the next part of this discussion. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you, you, you wrote a really good piece on this uh, earlier on this year about free speech absolutists and uh, the hypocrisy at the heart of them. And I think Musk has described himself as a free speech absolutist. I think he has quite a childish understanding of what that actually means. And you know, exactly. The, 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 and it's not just him, you know, I mean, in that piece, I mean, I wrote uh, the piece, I wrote a piece a few years ago called Deplatforming Works, which goes into some of the wider arguments and philosophical discussions around deplatforming. But the one you mentioned there is exactly about the hypocrisy of some of these guys, the number of people that endlessly bang on about free speech and then try to sue people that they disagree with. You know, Lawrence Fox is, is a great example of this. You know, he's always talking about being a free speech warrior and then seems to sue anyone that calls him racist. Douglas Murray is another good example who um, who's threatened to sue us over the years when we've said things about him that he disagrees with. These people believe in their right to free speech. They don't believe in other people's right to free speech. Excuse me. Sorry, I was just coughing there. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You think, sound like uh, you're crying. No, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, the wrong way. You um, love so free speech so much. <laughs> we've, uh, if you feel the same way as us, um, we've launched a campaign with our friends at Thirty Eight Degrees, which is calling on uh, X to reverse this decision um, and return the platform to a pre-Tommy Robinson state. So you can join that campaign. You can head to our social media account and you can follow the campaign link there because um, you know we've had thousands of people already sign this petition. It's been twenty four hours. It's been out. Um, it is, uh, it's, yeah, it's going bananas. Our inboxes are really pinging off the hook. So, uh, yeah, it's been a very popular campaign so far. So please do add your name to that. So let's let's talk about this weekend then. It's quite a complicated picture, Joe. So please, if I get some of the information here wrong, please do jump in and correct me. But so this Saturday is uh, November 11th, Armistice Day, also known as Remembrance Day marks the end of the fighting in world war one it's also an opportunity for us to remember military personnel killed in the line of duty um and there is a remembrance day commemoration uh this year as there is every year and there's also a march on saturday which is calling for a ceasefire in gaza um it's coming under immense pressure from government ministers and um right-wing commentators and there's also two far-right demonstrations happening. Is that right? There's one on Saturday and there's one on Sunday. And this is where maybe I, I might be wrong, but are they both organised in opposition to the pro-Palestine rally or is there something else going on there? Yeah, so look, we, yeah. So there's there's three, actually. <laughs> okay. But um, I'll get on to it. But yeah, broad, broadly speaking, I mean, what we've seen in the last week, well, a bit of context, obviously, like, since uh, since the kind of the, the horrific pogrom that happened uh, on the 7th in Israel, um, the far right has obviously, like the rest of society, been discussing what's happening in Israel and, and the war and the ongoing war and the bombing of Gaza. And the far right is, is split on this, as, as we would have expected. Right. And, and, and 
it's broadly split along the lines of who the, the far right hate most. So for the groups like Patriotic Alternative and Mark Collier and the more extreme end of the movement, the, the thing they hope most or the people they hate most are Jews and so they're, they're anti-Semitic and so uh, they're being very anti-Israel and very overtly anti-Semitic. Anti uh, then the people like Tommy Robinson and Britain First, that those parts of the movement which have traditionally primarily hated Muslims um, are on the other side where they're trying to be, they're saying they're very pro-Israel and they're, and they're being very Islamophobic. So they're kind of split depending on who they hate most. It doesn't mean that when you scratch the surface they don't hope, hate both and, and Tommy Robinson's kind of horrifically anti-Semitic article at the end of last year or the beginning earlier this year um, that we, we did a big blog around shows that he's he's got that in there as well. But broadly speaking, that's how it's dividing. So there is a bit of a split in the movement over which side they're picking, if you will, if side is the right word. What's been happening now, the far right have, have thankfully been pretty marginalised from the wider discussion in society about the, the, the ongoing debates and arguments that are happening. They haven't really been uh, having a voice in those debates. What's big up, uh, the big the big changing point where the far right have become much more animated is the announcement that there was going to be a pro Palestine march um, on this this coming Saturday, which, as you say, is 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 the eleventh, which is Armistice Day. Um, the actual traditional Remembrance Sunday will obviously happen the next, the following day on the Sunday when when the soldiers uh, and you know the Prime Minister and, and those people will lay wreaths uh, at, at the cenotaph in central London near Westminster. Now, the pro-Palestine march, as is currently planned, doesn't go anywhere near the cenotaph. It's, it's not going past the cenotaph, it's not going past the statues as, as the far, you know, Churchill statue. It's not going into Westminster, it's not planned there. But partly whipped up by people like Suala Braverman, as you said, who's talked about this, mar this hate march going past the cenotaph to desecrate things. People like Douglas Murray saying similar sorts of things. The far right's become hugely animated at this idea that they need to protect the cenotaph. They need to protect the statue of Churchill because supposedly it's going to be attacked by marauding pro-Palestine. Uh, protesters. There is as, uh, as yet zero evidence that there's any plan at all, as I say, for that march to go near those sites. So what's happened is, is Tommy Robinson is, is one of the people that has called for a demonstration to protect the cenotaph, um, as well as a whole range of other far-right individuals and figures that say they're going to go down on the day. Now, this, the, the fact that the next day is Remembrance Sunday means that it's almost certain that that site will not be open. It will be closed off as they prepare for, for the following day's events. It's a massive national event. But they're going to go down and they're planning to protect the statues and to protect the cenotaph. And, and we'll have to look at what numbers are going to be there. It's the first one in a number of years where Tommy Robinson has had Twitter, for example. So it will be reaching larger numbers. Uh, his, his rhetoric will be reaching larger numbers than it has done in some years. So we'll have to watch how many go down. And in recent weeks, we have seen small numbers of far-right figures go down the cenotaph to, to protest with flags etc on the sunday there's two demonstrations which is very much there is also and there has been for decades the national front have their yearly march after the main event the national front you know full of kind of actual genuine neo-nazis over the years march march down they lay their own wreaths um, and at the cenotaph, and they have done for decades, and no, no one's been calling for that march to be banned. I should. I was going to say, well. has Suella Braverman called that a hate march? No. No, exactly, and she hasn't. She hasn't. She hasn't also called for it to be banned, um, and they've been marching down for years. And that, over the years, that's included individuals that are explicitly and overtly neo-Nazis. I mean, huge disrespect to the people that fought in the Second World War. Uh, I mean, there is people, also. I mean, there's people in on that parade who don't think that Britain should have 
been fighting the Nazis. Uh, absolutely, you know, and there'll be there's be, you know there's often people's wearing t-shirts that say things like no no more brothers wars, talking about the Second World War. I mean, I went down to to Monastery for Hope and I hate a few years ago, and I remember. Um, it was almost comical, actually. A group of far-right figures from Poland came over to join the National Front. And then as they did the minute silence, and the National Front always bring along some absolutely calamitous drummer to like beat the drum as they march. And it's always remarkably out of time. And then they get some guy to give it a go on the bugle, and it's always embarrassing. But as they were doing the kind of last post on the bugle, some Polish far-right figures lit big red flares. At which point the National Front felt that this was disrespectful. And so we end up in this kind of undignified site where members of the far right were fighting each other in front of the cemetery. Wow. So this is, this is not about respecting Britain's war dead uh, this much. But they will do that and they'll be going again. But we would expect tiny numbers. The National Front is a rump these days. So we would expect tiny numbers there. There's also discussion within the football hooligan world. Uh, some of whom are talking about coming on Saturday. Some of whom are talking about doing a separate march on Sunday which is going to be supposedly a more respectful march where they lay wreaths at the cenotaph. So, um, and then on the Saturday, there's also some chatter about football hooligans coming out to protect the statues, etc. So it also a very complicated picture at the moment, depending on how many people make it. And, and invariably often in these cases, what you end up seeing is you get lots of different little groupings sat in pubs from quite early in the morning and they just sit there and drink. And if they don't get the numbers, they won't come out. But we would expect to see some sort of groupings out on the street on Saturday. And then after the main event, the kind of the national event, we would see, we'll, I think we'll see a, a number of the National Front and this other march laying wreaths at uh, the Cenotaph as well. I've got a few questions. One of them is, um, so you mentioned the, uh, the pro-Tommy rally uh, at the Cenotaph, you mentioned there was a, an element of this sort of statue defenders sort of movement that we saw during Black Lives Matter in the, uh, that was during the, during the pandemic. That turned very ugly down in, in central London. Do you think this has the potential to turn ugly as well? Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, as you say, during the Black Lives Matter, there was, there was a period of demonstrations. There was, and you know, there was people wrote racist on the Churchill statue and that caused a huge amount of anger across lots of groups, but certainly amongst the far right. And and so there is lots of people saying we have to come out again and, and protect the uh, protect the cenotaph and protect statues, and the difference then was is is that they had large they had quite large numbers that came out for that event. We'll have to see if they can manage to do the same, but also if the the pro Palestine march as as planned doesn't go anywhere near Westminster, we could end up in a slightly peculiar situation where you've got a group of far right figures of varying number stood in an empty Westminster um, with no one there but barriers and, and police and so that that might take some of the the tent or the chance for trouble out of it also i think there was a number of people that were involved in that within the football scene that were involved in the last demonstration which saw the bad press and saw the division it caused and some of those people i think are, are talking about doing the, the more respectful quiet march on the sunday because they saw how bad it went last time so the the big difficulty is it i mean it could be in three days time something's happened this is moving so fast you know some sort of trigger event happens and we see much larger numbers and then there's much larger uh, uh chance of trouble but we'll we'll have to wait and see whenever there is a group of far-right figures as angry as this lot are right now uh, in central london at a demonstration are talking about an issue which is as emotive as something like remembrance sunday and armistice day there's always a chance that someone will kick off especially when some of them are meeting quite early in the morning to start drinking i'd imagine yeah nick lowell's has been tweeting um quite a lot over the last few days about the the level of hostility and anger within the far right at the moment and um you know i think he's kind of he obviously seems alarmed. You you sound like you're. Well, it's it's a, it's a combination of things, right? It's there is a mixture of 
anger and excitement. So this is like Christmas for Tommy Robinson. This is a guy who has been isolated, marginalized, stuck in Spain um, for, for, for a long period of time, dwindling influence. Very few people are interested in the UK, what he's got to say or what he's got to do. And he's clearly excited about the opportunity here to get back into politics or get back onto the street. He's been floating the idea of launching the, relaunching the English Defence League for some months now. And he's clearly seeing it as an opportunity that he can exploit. And I think there's a number of figures on the far right that are seeing it as this. Is he saying, sorry, is he saying he's gonna, he wants to relaunch the English Defence League as the EDL or a new group? So far, he's been saying, I want to relaunch the English Defence League, like a reunion. Um, when he first started talking about it, I was less convinced it was, it was, it was I thought he was just talking because he was stuck in Spain and, and a bit lonely. Um, but I clearly think, you know, there is a lot of societal anger at the moment on all sides of this discussion. And I think he's thinking that he might be the person that can exploit it. And there's also frustration in his part of the far right in that he's saying, well, I haven't been running street events for years now and no one else has stepped in to defend the streets of Britain. I'm the only person that can do it. Don't forget, he's got this vast ego that he thinks he's their messiah. Um, and if you know no one else has stepped up to take the reins, he'll come back on his white horse and fix it all. Um, so I think he's definitely seeing it as an opportunity. There's some people around him which is seeing it exciting that he's back, if you will. Um, but it's a real test for him. If if the numbers are tiny on the weekend, which remains a possibility, it will really it'll act, the only thing it will do is serve to show how much he's fallen and, and how re- irrelevant he's become. And I think one of the trends, I guess, recently has been where Tommy Robinson goes. Uh, Paul Golding's not too far behind from Britain First. And I mean, is there any sign that he's going to be down down there in London taking some of the Britain First lot? Well, it's interesting. He's actually said for his supporters not to go down. Has he? Um, yeah. Why has he, so said, why has he said that? So partly, I mean, he's obviously on this whole thing about trying to be a respectable political party. Um, he's, you know, they've, they've got an eye on next year's elections. They're going to be standing both in the kind of the, in the London mayor's elections coming up in May, but also they'll be standing whenever there's a general election. One would imagine they'll they'll put a few seats forward. He doesn't want pictures of his him and his supporters that looked like the last time there was a statues demonstration in London. People throwing sea kyles, people throwing bottles, attacking police. Um, he is very much trying to present himself, despite the fact this is the same Paul Golding who was famously photographed at the cenotaph drunk with underwear on his head. Um, so, you know, when he talks about respect, one has to take it with a pinch of salt. But despite that, he doesn't want his, him and his supporters down there uh, in a situation that he can't control. He wants his supporters to be with him doing what he tells them. Uh, and so it's it's very much like a damage limitation thing rather than the fact that he doesn't support the idea, I'm sure. It's optics management from his point of view. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he can't control some drunk person seek Um And he doesn't want Britain first to be tarred with that. Well, look, Joe, the uh, the guy with the chainsaw has just started up again. So why don't we um, why don't we call it a day there? But thank you very much for your time. It's really really interesting to get your take on all of this. Um, and I guess we'll check back in next week because they'll no doubt you know, whatever happens, there'll be an update that we need to give um, about yeah. what's gone down over the weekend. So wh- why don't we do that? Try and do a short bulletin next week. Um, yeah, let's have a catch up next week. We've got lots of other stuff to talk about as well. There's loads of stuff happening in the anti-migrant movement. There's stuff happening in Scampton. There's stuff being happening in PA and Homeland. Homeland and there's loads. Yeah. There's loads of other stuff to kind of uh, chat about. But kind of all eyes are on this for this weekend, I guess. Yeah, great stuff. All right, Joe. Good to see you, mate. All right, mate. Bye. Take care.
cannot prevent 50 people, 50 postmen or 50 dustmen from having anti-Semitic thoughts. But you can prevent 50 dustmen forming an anti-Semitic dustmen association. You take the fight of the enemy and attack those before they attack you.